This year's donations might go to, say, the geology department. Oh dear, not the dirt people. Geology is the study of pressure and time. That's all it takes, really. What kind of activity has turned the lake massive? Look, I'm just a geologist. I like rocks. I love rocks. All right, hello everybody, and welcome to the Geology Final Cast. My name is Steve. Hey there, everyone. This is Chris. I, first, hello. Secondly, I feel like I'm about to be attacked. <laughs> I'm, I'm Jesse. Also. <laughs> we have a, We were just talking about something. I said save it for the podcast because Jesse's going <laughs> to drop some knowledge bombs on everyone. So this is, by the way, FYI, if if uh, you're in, if you only want to listen to the geology. Just fast forward like <laughs> five, to five minutes from now, because this has nothing to do with geology. And if this is your first podcast, uh, do we go off on tangents? Yes. Usually not first thing and usually not about food products. All right, Jesse, tell, tell the world what you just told us. So I'm, I was just eating a, a Triscuit cracker, I guess you would call it. It's a cracker. Right. Yeah. And the name Triscuit is derived from, when it was first made in the early 1900s by, by Nabisco, they used uh, electric ovens. And so Triscuit comes from electric biscuit. Triscuit. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. That's, I, I didn't realize Nabisco was the national biscuit. That's, I, I was more like, <laughs> that wow, blew my mind. That's where Nabisco and they're, came they're from <laughs> Philly too, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. national biscuit company. Yeah. When did Crazy. Nabisco shorten their name? Oh, that's that's a good a good question. Uh, probably Prob- find out. Probably when they went public. Uh, shorten it to something for the stock exchange. 1898. Exactly. That's when they oh. were founded. Yeah. Oh, hold on. In 1898, the New York Biscuit Company and the American Biscuit Company and oh, American Biscuit and Manufacturing Company merged for the National Biscuit Company, later called Ooh. Nabisco. Ooh, I like that. It's like a dream team of biscuit makers. Right? Man, the, the <laughs> early 1900s must have been full of biscuits. Oh, man. The- a box of biscuits, a box of mixed biscuits, and a biscuit mixer. Wow. It's a tongue twister. It's hard to say. <laughs> I also, I, I don't know if this is true, much like all of the facts I give you. Um, Hydrox predate Oreos. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. So there's a marketing failure for you. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'm looking at 1971 Nabisco became the official like brand name. Yeah. Nice. The year Seminac was born. In 71? Yeah. No. (laughs) 61? (laughs) What? The wrong direction. Pushing 60. 61 was the year you were born, my friend. <laughs> That's All right. All right. Enough uh, fun facts about, <laughs> about bakeries in, in, uh, in America. Very good. Thank you. Thank you, Jesse, for that, for that knowledge bomb. That's what I bring. So, all right. All. Well, I'm, I'm done for the night. I, I can't wait to see what next week's snack is. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the history of goldfish next week. Ooh. Ooh. All right. Well, everyone, welcome to the Geology Flannel Cast. Uh, this is the premier geology podcast. Occasionally, what, we go what? into bakery stuff, but you know, um, how's everyone doing today? Everyone, everyone doing all right? Yeah, I'm running a gun in today. 
It's March. Oh, good for you. It's almost Feeling. almost mid-March. And, yeah, uh, we still need to get on our mineral March madness. madness. Oh, that's what we need to do. We got time. The real March Madness doesn't start until like next week or the week after. So we yeah, select selection Sunday is Sunday. We'll see what we can do by then. All right. So did you hear Drexel's in? Yeah, first time in twenty five years. Yeah, we which play is, to, Temple plays tomorrow at noon, which is crazy because I feel like I I remember the last time Drexel was in. It doesn't seem like twenty five years ago. Nineteen sixty one when you were born. Touche. <laughs> 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 Wait, I'm doing the math, and that, that doesn't. <laughs> it's in Celsius. It's fine. Oh, okay. It's Celsius. Yeah. Not, nine fifths <laughs> of it minus yeah. thirty-two. Yeah. <laughs> Very good, gentlemen. Um, all right. You want to? We just we're just hanging out today, doing some news stories. It's kind of we haven't done any news stories in a while, so figured change it up a bit. We've been doing, you know, lately we've been doing like whole topics per an episode. Does that make sense? Whole topics, an episode devoted to like a single topic. Then you know, there you go. That's that's yeah. the better way to say it. Um, so today, we just kind of go back and just kind of talk about some uh, some news stories, things that are just kind of that sparked our sparked our interest over the last week or so. Yeah, but if you have any specific topics you like us to cover, you know, shoot us, drop us a line, as the kids say. Go to the uh, geologyflannelcast.com and send us an email. Yeah. Um, all right, I'll start it off. So do it. Here we go. All right. Uh, let's go back to this story is about like pre-Cambrian time, really, really old earth time. And this is like, this is kind of hot off the presses before Chris was born before even older, before Steve was born. (laughs) Yeah. Pre-Cambrian hot off the presses. Are we in the Hadean? No, uh, I don't think so. No, 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 not, not for this one. Um, <laughs> so this story is talking about uh, there's there's study that was conducted. Um, let's see, it looks like it was uh, led by Junji Dong of Harvard University, and they were talking about you know there's then this question was the Earth ever covered in oceans? You know, just like uh, um, like nearly completely covered in, in, in water. I mean, water world. I've yeah, I've seen this movie. Yeah, Kevin yeah. Costner's one of his finest. Sand, the, the sand is your currency. He, yeah, yeah. The opening scene where he drinks his pee is not for me. Um, usually, not many people uh, enjoy. I guess Kevin Costner movies are really not for that many people either. So, <laughs> is it sterile? Is that a and I like Costner. the taste. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anybody? Dodgeball? I haven't seen dodgeball in years. I don't remember any of the lines. So if the earth was covered in ocean, like in in water, great question is where all the water go, right? So uh, what this, what this recent article looks at is the earth's mantle. Maybe it went into the earth's mantle and that's actually what they're, what they're suggesting in this article. Um, that the water, we've talked about this before in the podcast a few times about how the earth's mantle holds water and don't think of it holding water as like an aquifer or something like that. Just like, or like these like underground oceans. So it's a little more complicated than that, but instead it absorbs water and holds water in minerals, hydrous minerals, minerals that have H2O in their, their chemical formula. 
so looking at this, uh, this, uh, this, this group determined that the amount of water that the Earth's mantle can hold is related to the temperature. All right. So if we go like way back into pre-Cambrian time, like early, early Earth history, the um, mantle was hotter. And so when the mantle's hotter, it doesn't hold as much water. But as it, it's, as it starts to cool down, it can, it can hold more and more water. So that's the, this, uh, this hypothesis is that, you know, potentially uh, the Earth could have been covered in oceans and now everything is, uh, the mantle cools down and then all of a sudden the, the mantle can absorb that water in the form of holding it inside minerals. So uh, specifically, they're looking at some of these, uh, these minerals, uh, different, different variations of the mineral um, olivine. Uh, we're looking at wadlesite, or yeah, uh, wadsalite, excuse me, and, uh, and ringwoodite. So there, there are different variations of, the, of, uh, of olivine, and they, they hold an, uh, an H2O molecule in them. I think, so the ringwoodite was, that made news sort of recently in the discovery of it and that it could hold water. Yeah. I think we talked about it on a previous episode. We did. We didn't go in too much depth, but it no. definitely has come up that yeah. that's how it's held. I, I have questions as to how does ringwoodite precipitate? Are, are you telling me the mantle was liquid? No, I don't think the mantle was, I mean, the, no, no, the mantle wasn't liquid. The mantle solid. But how does the water get in there? Is it when it like recrystallizes? I think like because it's as you go deeper into the mantle, the olivine <clears throat> or whatever provoscite is gets compressed and it it turns into uh, other forms of olivine group minerals right it's basically metamorphosing and yeah, so is it is it during this process maybe no, i mean from from what i was reading it didn't really go into the process of how the water gets into the mantle um that's a that's a very good question i didn't even i didn't even think of that how you know yeah how's that how's that water getting from the surface of the earth down into the mantle um I'm sure in, in the paper they they get into into that but <laughs> Uh, it's i mean it's a pretty cool idea and it's it is <clears throat> i think the idea of as the mantle cools off there there was a point when the mantle was molten right because the entire earth was molten. sure yeah, yeah. and uh, the mantle has been cooling since since earth formed as has the rest of it and you know it's cooling basically from the surface inward and this idea of, you know, in terms of Earth heat in, inside the Earth, we get it from three places, essentially. Uh, we get there's some radioactive elements that provides a little bit of heat. And the core, as it cools off, crystallizes, and that's exothermic. But the majority of heat inside the Earth is just left over. And so yeah. the earth is getting cooler. And so that's an interesting, I never even thought about that. Like, how is that cooling going to say affect these minerals? That's, that's really interesting. 
and uh, the other thing that they're talking about is that there's been this assumption that the volume of water in the oceans has remained nearly constant throughout geologic time. That might have to get reassessed. I, I could see that. I, I, to me, the first thing that stands out is that, <clears throat> I, I mean, there was much less continental material at this time. So like the idea of the planet being covered with water, I don't know, isn't that much of a stretch in my mind. And, and but, but also, how do you prove it? Well, I mean, was it by mid, was it mid or late Archean? I forget if it's mid or late, but at that point, 85% of the continents had been, had been 85% of the continents that we have today had been formed. Really? Yeah. And I, I want to say by the end of the Archean. I never heard that, but that's interesting. Huh. And then by the Proterozoic, it was, uh, something like it, it had only jumped up to like 90% of the yeah, continents. That makes so there's during the Archean, I mean, the continents, they, they popped up during that time period and it was. Yeah, that makes sense. But I didn't realize it was that high. 80, 85. Hmm. Yeah. I, I guess. When do you start seeing sedimentary rocks? Uh, I think when the sedimentary rocks really start, I mean, I, I believe you can see them from Archean stuff. Yeah, you get but really in the in the Proterozoic, I was just actually just reading this today. In, in the Proterozoic, is you, when you really start to see a lot of these like fluvial systems and and more of the the classic stuff we see. But they do go back to, to Archean time, right? But would you would you get sedimentary rocks if the Earth is covered in water? What sort of erosional processes would still well, be I happening? Mean, <clears throat> Whatever it, continents it, are there, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they're not saying that the whole there were like if there were any little bits sticking up out of the water. Obviously, wave action would start to erode that stuff down. Yeah, if they were sticking up, that's what I'm saying. But even if they aren't sticking up, I guess would you still get erosion from current currents? Maybe I don't know. It's a good question. I'm just I'm yeah. trying to think of like modern processes. Yeah, but. uh I mean, yeah. uh, that's a good question. I mean, it, it wouldn't it, it wouldn't be as as much as you'd be getting if the stuff was on land. C correct. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. could could you theoretically get like something that looks like a sedimentary rock if the planet was still covered by oceans? Or is the proof that there's a sedimentary rock proving that the whole planet wasn't covered by oceans? That that's all I'm getting. At. Just trying just trying to disprove these jokers. <laughs> no, no, but I, I mean, I think the the point they're not trying to say the the whole it was there there was no land masses. They're just trying to say that it was if there weren't any land masses, it was it was like few and far in between. Got like it. Little bits sticking up. Got it. The earth. Yeah. So they're saying they're looking at they're saying there was way less land three point two billion years ago. So it was like water world, but oh. This oh, this is interesting. Part of what they're getting into here is where early life evolves, and if it's forming yeah. in oceans or on ponds and, and on the land masses. And they're saying if the entire planet was engulfed by oceans, it would sort of solve that mystery. Hmm. Huh. 
black smokers. It, it could strengthen the case, you know, in terms of looking for life on other planets like Europa or Enceladus. I'm in. All right. Well, Steve's in. That's all that really matters. So, uh, yeah, that's that's interesting. That is, well, that's that. Yep. Let's see. Let's see. See how this. Uh, this let's let's stick a out. pin. Stick a pin in that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that that is the 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 rub of some of these really really old uh, pronounced, you know. Uh, sort of theories you know it's it's tough to prove or disprove them. It, it is and and you can do things where you can be like yes the, the minerals can can lock up some h2o or whatnot it doesn't mean it happened right and if you can't tell me the mechanism as to how all that water got down there then yeah <laughs> but well uh, so i mean water obviously is getting down there i mean we see water yeah. vapors released from volcanic eruptions yeah yeah from subduction so, and stuff like that but but i mean you know was there just a ton it, of like little micro continents and micro plates constantly sucking water down I mean, they're, they're, I mean there's there's some type of, of water cycling going down into the the earth's mantle and i think what the the i i you know i think the the take-home point of this is that just as the mantle was cooling down this natural cycling of water that goes that does go into the earth's mantle just more and more was getting absorbed into the into the mantle and we we're losing it we we're losing the volume from the surface so whether it is i mean subduction or i mean just uh i mean how much of the you think there's there's what's you think there's much of a percolation effect of the stuff just kind of just percolating down from the from the oceans into the mantle over time well i've never heard of anything like that but yeah the only do like that the percolation effect i feel like the the, the temperature <laughs> pressure regime would inhibit that but who knows maybe maybe know there is get, some sort of chemical exchange going on at that i mean we there, know that there is there is water circulation in in the you know in uh, oceanic crust around you know the mid-ocean ridges and stuff like that um so, yeah. Why? I mean, yeah. It maybe gets down there. maybe hot spots not <laughs> only bring hot lava up; they also bring cold water down. Prove me wrong. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly how it's how it's getting down there, but um, it's, it's doing something somehow. It's getting down there. <laughs> that should be the uh, the next paper. Exactly how does the water get down well, there? Yeah. How are you? Are you doing this? <laughs> what is this? So, well, there you go. Uh, more and more water being stored in the mantle as it gets colder. There's your one second, your one sentence summary right there. I like it. All right. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I, I had a really nice play tectonic animation I was just looking for, but. Which would be great for the podcast. Well, we could. We, <laughs> we have we have methods of posting this. Yeah. Elsewhere into the void. What is this? Oh, just tectonic, like a tectonic, a general tectonic model, or what? Yeah, yeah, and it's just 
for people to sort of visualize what plates were around 3 billion years, it's actually a pretty cool one because it shows, it puts a timeline of, you know, atmosphere, what the atmosphere was like, what life was around. It gives sort of big events. It's not the, the Christopher Scotzi's no, no, no. Um, animation. Like, um, they're cool too. But he's they are. Goes. Yeah, he, he does some good stuff. Anyhow, pretty cool. Pretty cool. All right. Uh, next article. Let's see. Um, we kind of here's one. We we could talk about this one. Uh, I'm just going right through the list. Uh, <laughs> about we talk about sea level rise. All right. We and this is actually we talked about this on one of the, uh, the 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 Patreon extra special Patreon content. Um, yeah, you you sent this to me, and I. Well, this, this got, one's a little bit different. I've got some thoughts about it. All right. Well, actually, hold that thought because yeah. Um, speaking of outlines that we have, oh, it's, you, I like this edit you just made <laughs> in the non-existent outline that we have for today. <laughs> How dare you? We are always well prepared. Uh, but yes, formattingformula.com or YouTube forward slash C forward slash formatting formula. They are your go-to one stop. The buck stops here shop when it comes to formatting a word document. Now, some of you may be listening and think like it's a word document. How difficult can it be? And for, you know, just bring a simple paragraph. It's not that difficult. Um, But for those of you who have had to try to write, you know, table of contents and hyperlinks and uh, glossaries and uh, page numbers and headers and footers and all that stuff. It, it gets complicated and complicated and complicated and then embedding figures. And then, uh, you know, you have 27 figures and then your, your advisor says, well, I want, I want to change figure two and I want you to add one more figure. It's like, Oh God. Like, do you go ahead and renumber all of your figures? Well, the formatted formula can teach you how to do all that stuff. So it'll auto-populate. If you, if you change one, it, it fixes all the ones after it. Um, and it, for even more, more complicated stuff for like regulatory uh, requirements and things like that, sometimes you have to have a very specific format to submit some of these governmental documents and the formatting formula can actually customize your forms to make sure they comply with the government's needs. Um, they can adjust your, you can customize your header. So you have customizable headers. So you just click the buttons that you normally, you know, that you use all the time and they can customize it for you. Um, you know, how many times uh, I'll call them with a question or I'll, I'll email them with a question and like, and they'll say something wacky, like, well, just hit shift F5. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? And <laughs> They just know all this stuff off the top of their head. So uh, formattingformula.com, make sure you tell them the geology flannel cast sent you and they will hook you up with some sort of unspecified discount. <laughs> yeah, I may or may not have just made that up on the fly. So I apologize formatting formula, but uh, yeah, check them out. YouTube forward slash C forward slash formatting formula. Those, they have videos there that'll actually teach you how to do all this stuff. So you can try to learn it on your own, or you can take the easy way out like I do and just send them an email and say, here, fix it. <laughs> so formattingformula.com. Don't be afraid to take the easy way out. No, 
No. They it's are awesome. the easy way. It's uh involves less headaches. Yeah. And... It's 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 not working harder, it's working smarter. Exactly. Yes. Yes. You gotta be as efficient as possible, you know. Yeah. You know, we're only on this earth for seven, eight decades, you know. Don't be wasting your time on Microsoft Word and you know, yeah. something like that. You got better things to do. That is that's a life lesson right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I guess- so back to what do we sea level rise? Yeah, Jesse said he's got some uh, some interesting things to say about this, but uh, basically, this uh, this article that uh, that I well we, we were talking about. I, I, I should say this first on one of the the Patreon um, extra content things that we were doing. We're talking about how San Francisco is sinking. All right, and basically it's because. The, I mean, I should say sea level rise. We talked about this term, relative sea level rise. You should say, and it's, uh, it's, it's the the calculator. It's it's taking into account what the actual level of the water in the ocean is doing versus what the land is doing, right? And so, San Francisco appears to be sinking because they're building a ton of stuff on there, and just that weight of all of the buildings and things like that in San Francisco is actually kind of starting to push the crust down a little bit all right so we, we talked a little bit about that in one of our one of the the patreon extra videos that that we do but now this is saying this there's another article that came out and it's it's saying sea level rise affects coastal areas four times faster than we thought and it's it's kind of going off of the the a very similar premise saying it's it's you know you ha- we're not taking into account What's happening on the land? Is the land subsiding? So right now, global, what we say, like eustatic sea level rise, that's just only the sea level rise that's that's happening in the ocean, right? This, the, the volume of water in the ocean um, is, is increasing because we have glaciers that are melting, right? It's like you, you, you turn on, you have a bathtub full of water and then you start, you turn on the faucet and what happens to the water level in the bathtub starts to rise, right? So, so glaciers are melting and <clears throat> the water is heating up. There you well, go. Yes, I was yeah, going to say that yeah, too. Yeah. That, that, that accounts for like some ridiculous amount of the percentage, like 20 of the 20% or something. I think it's one third. Is it 33%? I think so. 0.3. So as, as the water heats up, it expands. And now you have uh, yeah. more, more volume, basically. So, yeah, that's the one thing I always, I mean, I, I, that's that the, I always forget about how, how much of an impact just that the thermal expansion of water is. Yeah. It's, uh, packs a punch. So, just real quickly, <clears throat> you, you said you static sea level rise. And so that's, that's like you, you said, it's the volume in the bathtub um when we talk about eustatic sometimes what we're talking about is global sea level and so when we talk about global sea level it, it it's it's a tricky concept because how do you how do you measure sea level everywhere um how do you you know all the oceans are sort of different and so eustatic sea level as an idea is measured from the same reference point, which if you're on the earth, the, the only common sort of equidistant reference point 
would be the center of the earth. And it's not even truly equidistant because you have variations, but. Well, just, I should say also, since we're on the topic of measuring sea level, like you're measuring sea level, it's incredibly hard. It's yeah. such a, it's such a pain in the butt. Yeah. I mean, it gets. Uh, where, where do you measure it from? Where is there a pristine glassy surface you can take a measurement from on the exactly. ocean? Exactly. Because um, just think of you're, you're sitting on the beach, right? Sea level, you're watching sea, you know, sea level go up and down, up and down every couple seconds. A wave comes in, right? And it comes up a little bit and then the wave goes out and it goes down a little bit. You have tides coming in and out. Basically, it's always fluctuating. It's always moving around. Like what Steve said, it's not just this like this, you know, glassy water surface. So we, we do it the old-fashioned way. We take averages. Do you know the two main ways we measure sea level? Go ahead. Uh, guessing and squinting? Guessing and squinting. <laughs> a yardstick and a meter stick. So we get one in inches and one in meters. Nope, <laughs> nothing. nothing. Anyhow, uh, uh, we have uh, pretty good measurements with tidal gauges. Because in, in areas, um, in harbors especially, you, you want to know what, what your tide levels are because that affects shipping. And so we have pretty accurate tidal gauge measurements going back about a, over 100 years. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, like the 1800s. Yeah. And since 1993, we've, um, we've also relied on satellite data. So NASA's got some, some nice satellite. And you can... You can go on, NASA's got a, a great little, great little website, but you can see the rate of change based on the satellite data. Um, and you can look at all the data on their site, but it's, it's currently rising at 3.3 millimeters per year. Hey, but you think about it though, without satellites, how do you know? Is your land sinking or is the water coming? Well, up? yeah. So that's well. So this is the giant yeah. question right now. You're right. That's you know, and this is you know, it, uh, especially like when you're looking in the rock record, right? You're looking at ancient transgressions and regressions. You know, transgressions. See, you know, it, it appears like your sea levels going up, or regressions. It appears like your sea levels going down. But it's you have to take into account what you know, what is the volume of water in your oceans doing versus what is what's tectonically happening on land, you know, because if you're getting uplift, tectonic uplift, and you're, you could have your sea level, your eustatic sea level, the, the, the volume of water in the oceans theoretically be just, let's just say for this thought experiment stays the same. All right. It's flat. Right. It's not moving around. No more getting, water in your bathtub. Yeah. Well, you, you turn the faucet off and the water right. is just, you're at the, <laughs> You're at the same level, right? But then we get tectonic uplift, boom, mountain range pops up. It's going to appear that your sea level is dropping. But in reality, it was tectonically influenced. Right. So just based on the rock record visually, as far as like you're going from uh, silts to fine sands to coarse sands, it looks like your ocean's moving away yeah however they can do geochemistry wise they can pull different isotopes out of the sediment to actually try to infer uh 
temperature participate precipitation and and the amount of uh water in the ocean yeah so one of the easiest ways to do that i don't know i shouldn't say it's easy for the people to do it but easiest ways to sort of understand it is one of the biggest ways we add or 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 lose water to the ocean is is with ice and so basically water is h2o that's a fun fact for you and that oxygen is it it basically comes in two types two isotopes one one to go toes one of them has a weight uh, an atomic weight of 16 and the other has an atomic weight of 18 and in in the water 16 preferentially evaporates because it's lighter you know if you're picking up boxes and carrying them if you're helping your friend move you're going to take the lighter boxes because it's easier that's working smarter not harder <laughs> there you go <laughs> and so preferentially the lighter isotope comes out and if it's if it's you know evaporating goes into a cloud and that cloud goes over land and then and then snows and turns into ice on land if you're forming glaciers on land you're taking out 16 and you're just storing it on the land so your water is um preferentially getting you know heavier say heavier yeah so it's getting more it's concentrating that o18 and so you can look at things that use water uh, or that, that, that would preserve that oxygen isotopes like, like corals or, or critters that make their skeleton or shells you know, using seawater, they lock up that oxygen. And so we can measure the ratio of 16 to 18. And if we see more 18, it tells us that sea level probably was going down because it was colder. There was more ice on land. Um, whereas if it's closer to, to balanced, you know, if it's getting towards zero, uh, the ratio, it, it's, uh, it's probably getting warmer. Right. So, so that's, you know, that's one way. Yeah. Like you were saying, because I would, the example I would give about transgression, regression, you could also have, say you're standing on the beach and all of a sudden you just start dumping more and more sand into your bathtub or whatever it's going to make the shoreline look like it's moving further into the, into the out, into the ocean and make it look like sea levels dropping when in actuality, you're just adding sediment. Yeah. And there's, there's all sorts of, you know, I guess weird things that, that can happen in yeah, that, that have happened in geologic time that it makes it look like the sea levels going up and down, but it's just kind of more attributed to tectonics rather than, just you know is your ocean filling up with water even more or is the water evaporating and you know turning into turning into ice and i I think we've talked about isostatic rebound too like there's places in alaska where it looks like sea level is going down Mm -hmm. even though globally we see it going up yeah right yeah because all those glaciers are now not pushing the earth down so now they're because they don't have two miles of ice on top of it it's actually bouncing back up like taking your hand off that memory foam mattress. But yeah, with, with regards to tectonics, you know, you, you have certain events like, uh, like earthquakes or like, you know, sudden thrust faults or something like that, that, that can happen instantly, but tectonically it's usually, it's usually pretty slow process, but 
now I think what this article is getting to, and I'll, I'll let you get to this, Chris, is that humans are now affecting some of this stuff. Yeah. Now, I mean, humans are affecting the land part of this equation, not just the water part of this equation. Yeah, and I, I think this is where I think I misread this article because subsidence is something like we know about, but off offshore. So certain areas, certain coasts. And so this is, there's, this is what we would call regional sea level, certain parts of the coast sea level changes differently. And I'm, I'm just thinking of areas where you have a lot of sediment from like rivers being dumped offshore and that weighs the crust down. And this is something we've known about, like New Orleans is sinking mm-hmm. because the Mississippi River is just dumping sediments. So, you know, if global sea levels 3.3 millimeters a year in New Orleans, it's like 13 millimeters a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but and yeah, for, I guess for I a town that's just about at sea level, that's <laughs> yeah. a big deal. So I, I guess, yeah, the, the idea that actually building on the land is causing subsidence too. That's, I, I didn't never even thought about that. Yeah. And so, um, you know, there's what, just think you, you have it. Like I, I like using the example of new Orleans, All right? It's already like parts of it's under, like it's below sea level. Right? <laughs> and so what's happening there is you're, you're getting well, number one, I guess you could say, People live there, that there's a large population there, and people like to drink fresh water, right? So where are you getting the fresh water from? We're not getting it from the ocean or the Gulf of Mexico. We're getting the fresh water from, from wells. We're pumping it from you know underground aquifers. That's where the, the fresh water is. Cool. So now we're pumping the water out faster than those aquifers can recharge, when I say recharge, it's basically just, just kind of like rainwater percolating down and, and, and filling that aquifer back up. It takes a long time for some of these things. It's not just like a thunderstorm rolls through and like, you know, it fills everything up. So, and then it also gets into the, the different types of geological conditions that you're in. There's some, there's some aquifers, especially um, uh, like out, out in the, the Western United States where it takes thousands and thousands of years to recharge these aquifers. So it's not just, you know, one of those things where you can say, oh, okay, we'll just wait for the rainwater to, to, to fill this thing back up. It's like, no, once it's gone, it's gone, right? But for New Orleans, I don't think we have that problem. I think it's, uh, you know, but anyways, so we're pumping all of this water out at a rate faster than it can recharge. So you're having a net loss of, of groundwater. And that's, that's one of the, the reasons for, for the subsidence there. Um, what's another reason for this? Um, I just had it on the on the tip. Okay. Oh, the the Mississippi River. Uh, the that portion of New Orleans is set up so that it doesn't flood. When I say set up, it's the it's engineered. There's engineering controls. We have levees that really lock in the Mississippi River. So take those levees out, right? Let's imagine ten thousand years ago, before we had humans in North America, the Mississippi River flooded every spring and what happens when it floods uh it just basically it dumps a lot of sediment a lot of fine grain sediment a lot of silt clay sand and things like that along along the floodplain so it's it's uh it's continually adding more sediment onto the floodplain so fast forward to present day 
we lock up the Mississippi River. We put levees up there. We don't want this thing flooding. We've got lots of people living along this thing. The, you know, the Army Corps of Engineers doesn't want this thing flooding. So they have it set up that the Mississippi River at that lower portion, closer to New Orleans, basically doesn't flood. What's happening now is you're not getting that sediment getting dumped onto the floodplain. All right. So the land uh, over time, just the, everything's just kind of getting compacted and it, you're not getting any new sediment added on. So that's another that's another uh, reason for the subsidence. Uh, in some areas, we're pumping out oil and gas from underground. And so once again, that's going to that's going to add to that subsidence effect and then we, we talked about um like san francisco for example just building the skyscrapers and 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 construction that's adding weight and that's pushing that's causing subsidence all right so we have uh all this stuff i think i, I pretty much hit all the big ones there um but so and a lot of the things that i mentioned are caused by humans, right? So humans are causing the subsidence, right? So now the land is being pushed down because of things that humans are doing. And we know that sea level is rising, right? And so it causes this effect. So um, what would be like three millimeters a year, uh, this, this article says 2.6 millimeters over the, uh, on average over the last two decades. So, kind of, you know, um, we're now looking at a relative sea level rise of like over a centimeter, which is like way, way more. That, that's actually what New Orleans is experiencing. They're experiencing a relative sea level rise. We can take into account how much the, the Gulf of Mexico, the ocean water is rising. I guess the Gulf of Mexico isn't the ocean, but <laughs> it works for this example. But how much, how much eustatic water levels are, are coming up and then how much your land is sinking down and you're looking at a relative sea level rise rate of over a centimeter a year, or about about a centimeter a year, I should say, in in New Orleans. So it's just you know it's just another thing to to add to, you know uh, I guess um, you know we were talking about, um, I guess in terms of climate change, we know that that uh, that the eustatic sea level is rising. And now it's also, we should start thinking about what are we doing along the coast? Is there anything that we can do to not have the coast subside or, or basically sink as much as, as it is in, in some areas? So just kind of another, another thought of like, I guess, sustainability or um, I guess that the right word to use there or um, yeah, anyways. So I thought that was a kind of a, thought that was an interesting article there how we can actually prevent, we could, we could prevent some of the subsidence occurring and, you know, potentially have a, a less, a lesser relative sea level rise. So. Um, it's kind of, it's, it's interesting. I mean, just since 1993, <clears throat> uh, since we've been measuring with satellite, sea level has gone <clears throat> globally has gone up uh 94 millimeters almost 10 centimeters um something like that let me i can tell you here in a i can tell you in a second so 
since 1993, it has maybe not. <clears throat> <laughs> just I just had it open here, and it was in one of your clock. tabs. So one of my tabs, 96 <laughs> plus or minus four millimeters since 1993. So that's almost huh. that's 9.6 centimeters. Yeah. Yeah. Which, wow. I mean, which is kind of crazy when and so now they're saying that rate is actually it's undershooting to some extent certain areas jeez that's you know just in whatever that is 25 years that's almost four inches yeah it's almost did, 30 years but yeah did you guys see nope it's, <laughs> it's it's 10 years ago the 90s were 10 years ago <laughs> did you guys see uh, on that on the article that uh I sent you guys. Did you guys see the last line of that? And I didn't need. I didn't know this, but uh, says uh, one of the main reasons that Jakarta, which is the capital city of Indonesia, yeah. Indonesia is moving its capital from Jakarta to Borneo, is because Jakarta is sinking due to groundwater extraction, yeah. shallow wells. It's it's crazy. I yeah, I didn't know that the the move was was finalized, but yeah, they're moving, which is is crazy because I mean. The Jakarta has over 10 million people in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's, you know, you know, this is real time effects of the sea level rise and climate change. Yeah. Yeah. And like also just, and not only that, but there's also the effects of pulling out too much groundwater yeah. at, at a yeah. rate faster than it can recharge. Yeah. Like the, it's like the double whammy here of sea level rising. And then how are we exacerbating the situation? Yeah. And I know. Um, so like uh, historically Long Island, New York has had this problem of, of pulling out too much groundwater. And what happens is you get this thing called saltwater intrusion coming yep. in. So Long Island is, is right on the coast there. And so once again, humans like drinking fresh water. They don't like drinking salt water. It tends to what is this salt, salt water shut down your liver or kidneys? Yeah, it'll, it, it, it'll kill you. All of the yeah. above, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, yeah it's, a, a tiny bit of salt in your water is actually good for you. It helps with electrolytes and things like that. But it, it's a it's a very very small amount. You can't drink seawater. Don't, don't go into the ocean. And start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's, it know. makes you. Isn't there stories about like sailors that get stranded? And they're just kind of like out of the ocean. They start drinking salt water. Doesn't it make them hallucinate? Have you ever yeah. heard? It stories? makes you throw up. Yeah, I don't know. That's where yeah. the, the saying water, water everywhere, not a drop to drink. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, I forget if, if the salt water shuts down your kidneys, your liver, but. Um, you, you can what, cut what really your important. water supply with a tiny bit of seawater to, to help stretch it. But uh you know, that's only an extreme, extreme emergencies. Like you're on a desert island, you have two gallons of water and you think you might last a week. Uh, you might cut it with a little bit of seawater to just make it last, uh, you know, eight days. <laughs> well, you might want to consult Bear Grylls on that first before yeah. you actually <laughs> go about that. But anyway, so back to, back to Long Island, you know, there's a huge, huge population that, that lives there and they're right on the ocean and they get their water from from groundwater wells and they're, they're sucking it out and it's, it's, it, they're actually sucking so much water out that it's, it, you get this thing called salt water, um, salt water intrusion, where it's actually sucking, they're sucking in salt water from the ocean 
into their wells. And then, you know, then you have a huge problem with the, the water wells becoming contaminated with, with the salt water. So, you know, you can't, you can't really do much with salt water. Uh, you, there are desalinization plants, but they're super, super expensive. And uh, I believe that they, essentially how you get fresh water from a desalinization plant is you basically just boil it off. You boil the water and uh, you, you can do it that way or you can squish it through membranes, but to squish it through membranes takes a lot of pressure. So therefore it takes a lot of electricity. Mm-hmm. Um, Either and, way, it takes a ton of energy. Yeah. yeah. And, and places like the salt places like long Island too. It's, it's not just drinking water. A lot of it's uh, irrigation wells for agricultural reasons too. So that, that becomes, That's, you know, yeah, your plants South, Jersey. Need a lot of water. South Jersey has similar issues with saltwater intrusion same in delaware yep so much so much ag in delaware yeah they actually they actually you know issue permits and you're only allowed to pump a certain amount a day because they they want to mitigate this problem Hmm. so and uh out in the the out in the u.s uh midwest the ogallala aquifer that's uh geez is that the one it's one of the biggest if not the biggest of the aquifers in the United States. It's huge, but that's basically underneath the, uh, you know, out in the Midwest, we have all the, all the agriculture, um, the bread basket, uh, the bread basket. Yeah. That's what, that's what I was, <laughs> that's the word I was looking for. Um, <laughs> and they pump that aquifer for, for irrigation and they're having, they've, they've been having problems. It's just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, and once that thing dries up, then it, it dries up, you know, it's, it's, like I was saying earlier, some of these aquifers, it's not just that, you know, you wait around a year and it, it recharges, fills back up with water. Now, some of this stuff can take like tens of thousands of years to, to recharge, depending on the, the geologic conditions. And, and they, they are getting better. They're, they're coming up with better practices for irrigation. You know, essentially, a lot of it was just like spray it on there, <laughs> you know, whenever and and hope it works. And now now they're getting more frugal with the water realizing like hey there might be better times of the day just to to water it there may be better soil amendments or or perhaps uh growing different crops at different times of the year some that are more drought tolerant like in the peak of the summer versus you know so they are getting better but but more needs to be done so yeah um this is the problem in the the kiowa aquifer too which is serves a lot of the front range in Colorado. Okay. Where you have, you know, Denver and Colorado Springs. So you have millions of people with more moving in every year. Yeah. And it's it's this very confined aquifer that only recharges like in a very small area in the front range. And they they misjudge the recharge area. And so the drawdown like into the eighties and into the nineties and two thousands, the water level was just like plummeting and they couldn't figure it out. And it's because they had miscalculated the recharge area and here it was recharging at a rate that was 10 times slower, I think, than they thought it was. Yeah. Comes down to a good cross section in geology. That's right. Yeah. Off by an order of magnitude. <laughs> Not good. Yeah. Not good. So no. anyway, I would not want to be moving to Colorado right now. That was for one of our Patreons who's listening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who's moving to Colorado right now. But anywho. So 
all these issues with uh, all these anthropogenic issues with, uh, you know, with the sea level rise, and it's, it's stuff that, you know, previously didn't even go into the, the calculations before. So but now we know, and hopefully we can, you know, come up with solutions for them, better solutions in the future. I saw a pretty funny meme the other day. Uh, it was a cartoon. No, I guess it was a cartoon. It was the, the latest Mars rover. Mm-hmm. And it was pictures of the Mars rover. And it was just a, a skeleton holding a sign on Mars that said, climate change is a hoax. <laughs> <laughs> Made me oh, chuckle. Steve. I know. I'm telling you. Sorry. Am I getting too political? My bad. <laughs> Anyways, moving on, we got this. Uh, uh, it's let's you want, Jesse. You want to do this this last article that yeah uh, that you had? Well, all right. <clears throat> well, they found a really old rock, and that's it this week for the yeah, geology. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Thank you. What was um, so special about this really old rock, Jesse? Well, it was so shiny and dark, and it was actually it kind gl- of dark. It glowed. It's um. Maybe you want to do evil things when I touched it. 4.6 billion year old meteorite they discovered in the Sahara Desert in um, 2020. So 10 years ago at this point. Um, Do they think it landed in 2020? Wow, that is, you have been bringing the questions tonight. Sorry. It's discovered. Yeah, it was discovered. <laughs> no, I know it discovered. I just wasn't sure. It, like, you know, it's just been hanging out there for a few no. millennia. No, or... no, I'm looking at the actual that's... article. No, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't I, and, know and if this... that's actually important. Like, you know, it's, that's not I'm what the just, article is. You're right. It, yeah, you're right, it's not. But I mean, I'm just in the grand asking questions. Things. Yeah. So, so it's... In, the, in the Sahara, it's, it's just one of the uh, better spots to look for meteorites because, um, you know, especially if you're out in, in one of these dune fields, and if you see a rock just sitting on top of the sand out there, then it had to have come from outer space, basically. More or less. Yeah. <laughs> it's a blank canvas. It either came yeah. from a, a camel that dropped it or outer space. Yeah. And that's, I mean, the Sahara and like any desert, I suppose, or Antarctica. Antarctica. Yeah. Yeah. If um, you're, then literally there's people that just, uh, I've heard stories about that. People just drive around on the, um, the, the, the oh, what are those things called? The snowmobiles. And they just look for rocks on the top of the ice because it had to have come from outer space. Yeah. There's no other way for that stuff to get there. But anyways. So it's um, this is this meteorite is unique because it's the oldest known lava that that is so volcanic Ooh. rock, crystallized mm. lava. And they date it. They um age put an age on it they didn't like take it out to dinner <laughs> at, at, some wine yeah you know, look directly uh, in its eyes and <laughs> this is this is sort of crazy here 4.565 billion years old like they got Man. that number down and so zircons the unique thing i don't i didn't read that far into it come Sorry. on i apologize usually today was an extremely busy day and it's been an extremely busy week usually i do read up on these things so i don't ask these (laughs) questions but so i'm no these are great questions um yeah i don't know uh it, it 
uh, let me see. It's I mean, zircons is usually what they use to date really, really old rocks on Earth. So that's your slam dunk, yeah. It's a zircon. Yeah, but I mean, there might be some. It's volcanic, so they, there might be some uranium lead. Yeah, yeah, well. true. But this is the interesting thing. Most times, when when you're finding uh, uh, meteoritic material, um, it's it's mafic in 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 makeup. So it's it's sort of these these minerals that that you get uh, at higher temperatures. This is uh, would be considered uh, andesite which is what? an intermediate rock, yes, which forms on Earth in subduction zones, plate tectonically derived subduction zones. And kind of full circle from how we started this podcast, yeah. talking about the age of continental rocks, and you're only getting continental, you're only getting andesite or rhyolite when you're mixing it with continental rocks. And so the thought here is that it was probably part of some ancient proto-planet that's no longer in our solar system that either broke up or was it collided, um, you know, just during early sort of accretion. Uh, it's collisions and, and things, impact events that destroyed this early proto-planet. So it's a piece of that, that you had this, I, I guess, like fractional, fractional melting. So like, it's really interesting story here. Now, why do they think it was within our solar system? I'm sorry. I'm I guess the age, four, the 4.5. Yeah, it's, like, it's like, just yeah. super yeah. close yeah. to. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Steve, to answer your question, was it was it a zircon? Uh, no, they were looking at uh, this aluminum 26, magnesium 26 uh, crystallization. So uh, the old ALMG. Yeah, so I'm not really too familiar with that. Uh, I've never actually heard of that age dating technique. No, neither have I. I'm looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, the so there's partial melting going on here, you know, su suggesting that it, it, it was probably this primordial crust on some proto planet. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, all of these these protoplanets, you know, they're just gone either they, they crashed into other planets, our planet included, or they're just destroyed through impact events and make up but, rocks hanging out. But think about Blame it. Blame it if on you, Jupiter. If you're <laughs> if you're in the Sahara Desert and you come across a piece of andesite. Yeah. You're not yeah. I'm not thinking meteorite. Do <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I wouldn't think to try to date it to figure out how old no. it is. I would just say, ah, it's, this is just a rock that somebody yeah. dropped. Volcanic rock that got, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they showed that the magma that made up this rock took at least 100,000 years to cool and solidify after it melted, showing that it was pretty viscous, which is interesting. Sticky. And it's um, the intermediate composition? Yeah, and it's yeah, the, this is a really interesting sort of sort of story here. It that age on it is sort of crazy too. That's that's basically like I I've, I don't know off the top of my head that the one thing I'm reading here is that it's just two million years after 
the formation of the solar system. So, so like, th this is like, this must have been a small planet for all this to happen so fast. Yeah. Because if, if it had, if it had more mass, it wouldn't have cooled down fast enough to have continental crust and or volcanoes and to, to form that stuff. Yeah. And especially if it took a hundred thousand years just to cool, that's crazy. <laughs> so yeah, that's, I mean, just looking at sort of a rough age of the universe for 4.571 so 4. Point, yeah 4.571 and this is 4.565 real close so it's yeah real close to the beginning of the solar system yeah wow uh so this meteorite is called erg chech 002 does that mean there's an erg chech 001 Ooh. Uh, maybe they were like a. Uh... <laughs> we're asking <laughs> no. all the questions here. No, but they they could have been a a, a crew of people, you know, a, a team that goes out into the desert trying to find meteorites. Huh, the age, and and that refined age of of the solar system of four point. Um... Yeah, I was I always say four point six, but I guess that's not accurate enough. Here's here the most recently refined was was there's a paper in Nature Geoscience in August of 2010, so semi recently, and they used lead two o seven to lead two o six isotope systematics in meteoritic inclusions. Whew, those inclusions, those meteorites were found in the Sahara, hmm. but it was four point five. 4.568 million years ago or 4,568.2 million years ago. That is pretty precise. Yeah, man. That is yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> Good for them. Science. Yeah. They're they're doing they're doing the, the work. Um so all right, let's go to the Sahara. Yeah. Go find some meteorites. We'll, not, we'll get some. Really we'll get some drones. We'll get a little tent for shade, and we'll just fly them all around until we find stuff. We should do it in like August. Just you know, go big or go uh, home. Isn't it, isn't it at the equator? So it really doesn't matter. I guess you're right. It really doesn't even matter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, man. It's gonna like, be. It's gonna be like a classic movie scene of us. Our clothes will be tattered. We'll just be like crawling. Yeah. Water. Water. Yeah. 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 Seminac will have a full canteen watching us die. <laughs> um, I'm trying to um, I'm trying to find the average temperature in the Sahara, but uh, actually, well, that's that's the beauty of deserts. It's probably like 30 degrees at night and 130 in the day. So the yeah. average temperature may be misleading and saying like, oh, it's 62. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, according to um, Wikipedia, the average t high temperature in the summer is 40 C, so 104 Fahrenheit. But it can soar as high as 117. So, like Phoenix. That's not too bad. Yeah. yeah. I've been to Phoenix in the summer. 
Ugh. It's not pleasant, <laughs> but it's doable. I don't know if I could do 117. That's a little it's, roasty toasty. Yeah. What is, what is Vegas is like that too, right? Vegas yeah, gets like but it's a dry heat, right? The dry heat, yeah. None of that means anything. It's awful. It was yeah. it was 68 degrees here today, and I was like, oh, this is too hot. Oh, I know. I put on pants to teach today, and I was like, man. Yeah, I, I was wearing a flannel when I went outside. I was like, Ugh. It's that weird, it's that time of the year where it's like chilly in the morning, so yep. you leave, and, yeah. and then in the afternoon, you're like sweating. Yeah, and my kids hate me because I'm like, you have to wear a coat. Why do I have to wear a yeah. coat? Because right now, it's 34 degrees out. <laughs> ah, they're young. They'll live. Yeah, I know that, but I get yelled at by teachers in school mm. so anywho but yeah well, really really interesting articles today gentlemen i am uh i am ever impressed it, with the ability for none of you to answer my questions so <laughs> you just oh, uh what was the name of that erg chech erg chat yeah zero Chech-2. zero two uh, because uh a chech is uh, is the it's like that blue indigo dyed cotton garment that's worn as a veil or a turban by oh by Berber people in in the Sahara or the Sahel region right south of the Sahara. Neat. Yeah, and erg means um, erg is uh, like that. That's a that's a geomorphology term. Is it? Yeah, it's yeah, it's a thing. Sansi, it's a land Sansies, Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a big sand. Yeah, a big sand. You're right, Sansi. It's, it's like what is? It's like a dune thingy. A dune thingy. A really, really big dune thingy. Yes, dune thingy. Very good. Yeah. Are those those are the ones you see from? They look like long linear things, and you're like, that picture is from space. And you're like, what? Is, is that the the one I'm? No, I think of? you're thinking yardangs. Are you? Uh, you're a yardang. <laughs> this this is the picture I'm thinking of. All right, let's see what this is. But uh, their ergs are also known as uh, sansies. They're just yeah. What is this? What you got here? It looks like a microscopic picture of a fingerprint. Ah, yeah. So you got some parabolics and linear dunes. And this there. is the classic one. This is sort of like a classic picture. I mean, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, makes yeah, you want to go surfing down it. You know, I was a uh, fun story. We'll, we'll end the podcast with this, but uh, <laughs> good friend of the show, Matt Sophie, who's just here two weeks ago. This makes me think of him. We were uh, driving back from, he was living in Reno. We were driving uh, back from. But real quick, we, we did have that episode with Matt Sophie. And then like six days later, there was a gigantic earthquake in, in oh, New yeah, Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> but Matt is okay. Matt's we checked right. on him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, carry on. Well, so for the people listening to the podcast, Jesse just sent this like, beautiful picture of like your classic like desert dune and just yeah it looks like you go sledding down it right so uh matt and i are driving back from las vegas to to reno where he was living and we saw these there's like these like sand dunes like i don't know a couple miles off the highway and i was like let's go check those out let's you know so we go it's just a couple mile detour so we go off there and uh we just kind of run up these sand dunes and i was like super excited i was like i'm going to go jump off the sand dunes go sliding all the way down jumped off the top of the sand dune, 
went about three feet and stopped. And I was like, oh, it was, <laughs> it was so, <laughs> so depressing. I was like, oh, Eesh. I go anywhere. It was so just, let down. So let down. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but goes to show you, you need to know uh, how far your sediment has been transported before you go sledding down it. Yeah. Apparently, though, if you go to Sand Dunes National Park, which I've been there, they they rent you can rent out these little like wooden boogie boards and boogie yeah. board down the side of the dunes. I didn't try it because I was so salty over my last sand dune experience. <laughs> uh, nice. I know this ends. Um, all right. Fool me once. <laughs> um, you guys want to call quits for the day? Yeah, buddy. Yeah. This was, this was nice. I, I enjoyed this. Yeah, I like a little news article episode every now and again. Yeah. Keeping us fresh. Learn some things was great. Yeah. Good times. So thanks everyone for, for listening. Um, if you'd like to help out the podcast, help us with uh, keeping the podcast up and running. Uh, you can, we have a, a Patreon page, uh, patreon.com slash geology flannel cast. And uh, we have different, different tiers of Patreon sponsors. Uh, tier start is as, at as little as $2 a month. Get some, We'll hook you up with some stickers, uh, you know, and you get to help out the podcast. Uh, other different, other tiers, you get to hang out with us before before the podcast starts. Chat with us. We have lots of fun. Uh, you get to hang out during the uh, uh, while we record the podcasts. Um, or if you become the uh, Topaz tiered member, you give us a topic, and we will talk about that for an entire episode. So, anyways. Yeah, just try not to make it too difficult of a topic. We're working on one right now. <laughs> that was it. it's a little bit of a kick in the pants. So yeah, <laughs> it's good. It gets us outside our comfort zone. It's but... definitely a master's level question. Life question mark. Yeah. Yeah. It's... <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, Maddie, I know you're listening. We're getting to it. Don't worry. Into your topic. Um, but uh, anyways, yeah. Uh, so you can help us out on, on Patreon.com slash geology flannel cast um or uh you know we also sell some merch that helps out uh every little bit helps as well you can you can just uh straight up buy some stickers off of geology we got coffee mugs t-shirts steve's holding up his geology flannel cast t-shirt right now um so all that can be found under the merch section on geology uh check us out on facebook geology flannel cast twitter we're at geo flannel cast and uh, yeah, hit us up. Yeah. Shoot us an email. The, Let us know if you like the show. Uh, the flannel cast on Facebook is killing me because I gave up Facebook for Lent, and uh, so I have to go in, do our flannel cast stuff, and then exit quickly. Not not looking at anything else because I'm old. This is my only entertainment is Facebook anymore. So, <laughs> anywho, anyways. But, uh, all right, and uh, and by the way, all of the articles we talked about today on the podcast, we'll, I'll post them on uh, geologyfinalcast.com under uh, under this uh, this episode. I think this was eighty five. It it Oof. indeed was eighty five. Episode eighty five. We got some plans for episode one hundred is coming up pretty soon. Yes, it's in fifteen weeks from now. Yeah, and and you know another teaser. We do we do have the origins of life coming up soon, but we're also getting hoping to get one of the friends of the podcast back on mm, who could that be good, good so, friend of the podcast good friend of the podcast which is not matt sophie 
<laughs> so that should narrow it down. It's actually an attempt to one up Matt Sophie. It is indeed. So anyway, uh, there's a little teaser for you, but can't wait. Cannot <laughs> wait. It'll be good. I promise. Um, yep. All right, everyone. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening. We love you guys. And we'll catch you next week with another fun and exciting episode of geology final cast the premier geology podcast check you later all right see you later bye that's not making a fuss it's not (laughs) (laughs) i won't won't stop